Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. here in just a little bit for the Lord's will to be done just pray for my voice a little allergy going on here don't claim it in Jesus name but anyway uh, just pray for my voice and we'll get through this and also August the 10th there is a back to school rally in the Indiana district August the 10th at the Turning Point Life Center in Newcastle Indiana that is on a uh Uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. and so there is a van here from the church is going to be going and uh, opened up also for uh, other people within now this newly developed section section 6 for them to be able to ride with us if they don't have transportation and uh, the Travis Gardner pastor Travis Gardner is going to be speaking at that so that's going to be a great great time amen so uh, that's just a notification for our youth and uh, and those within our area church yeah you know anybody can go I don't think they're you know, if I'm going to go, and I am no longer considered youth, they tell me. Matter of fact, I couldn't even hold a youth position because I'm not young enough anymore to even do it. And so, <clears throat> I guess that means I'm old. I don't know. That's all subjective. Nevertheless, I mean, if you'll turn to your Bibles, Exodus chapter number one, Exodus chapter number one, Amen. So glad to have Kim Melton here with us. Amen. To see her face here tonight blesses me to see her. Uh, anytime that she has ever been here, she always has a very just kind and seemingly compassionate disposition. Amen. And a, a heart that seems to be easily impressed by the spirit of the Lord. Amen. And so that we appreciate her tonight. Amen. And love her. Good to have my mom back in service for the first time. Since her triple bypass surgery, so glad to have her. I was over at their house a little bit yesterday, and she coerced me to eat some old-fashioned loaf and pickled whatever and whatever else we had, pickle loaf there. And so I ate it and was getting ready to leave, and, and, and Dad was getting ready to step out, and she started to clean things up. I said, you sure you need to do that? And you need me? No, I got this. And, you know, she's that. And I got this. Start putting stuff up. My goodness. As long as it ain't a gallon of milk, I can lift everything else. So she's eager. I guarantee you. She's eager. But she's been good along the way. Amen. We're thankful for the healing uh, of, of the body after surgery and recovery the Lord has done for her. Amen. Tonight. Hallelujah. Glad to have all of our guests with us tonight. Good to have a, a good representation of the Joneses here tonight. Minus one. Amen. <laughs> we love and appreciate them. <clears throat> you know, wherever they go to church, you're always trying to keep up the Joneses. Amen. But... I mean, you wouldn't, I guess that whole little cliche you couldn't even use innocently if they were around. And so, without someone turning ahead. Uh, but nevertheless, Exodus chapter number one. Exodus chapter number one. And uh, I want to start with verse number eight here this evening. I don't have, uh, 
let me say that. I don't believe I have anything deep or profound here tonight, but it is the word of the Lord. Appreciate everybody leaning in with me this morning when we talked about when the water is in trouble. But tonight, when I go to Exodus 1 and, and verse number 8, it reads like this. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. Amen. For a little while tonight, I want to minister this. You pose a threat. You pose a threat. Look at your neighbor and tell them tonight. You pose a threat. Amen. Let's lift our voices collectively if we can here tonight. Father, we come to you this evening. Oh, God, you're able to help us, Lord, in this service tonight. God, you are aware, God, what needs to be said. I pray, oh, Lord, that you would just verify your word this evening. Verify your word. God, bring verification, Lord Jesus, through some form, Lord, or some means or way. Confirm it. God, with signs, Lord, that would follow. I pray, Jesus, tonight. God, touch my voice, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for God, this, Lord, assignment this evening of ministering the word of the Lord. God, be with your people, the different needs that are represented here tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that they would be met, God, before they leave this place and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. <clears throat> you pose a threat. Have you ever been, have you ever been in contact, any of you? You don't have to answer with a hand raised, but I can see it in your eyes, perhaps. Have you ever been in contact with a controlling person? You know, they, they may tell you how to do things, perhaps even things that you already know how to do. And yet, whenever they come across, it's not as though they're coming across as suggesting something, but rather being very instructional to you on how it should be done. It's almost like in those moments, if you've ever been under the thumb, so to speak, of a controlling person, it's almost like they assume the parent row and you're the child. And uh, they're giving you that detailed instruction. You know, I, I need you to do this now. And uh, they, they, you know, I didn't ask for your opinion type of phrases. And uh, uh, don't interrupt me whenever I'm talking type of scenario. And the way that they approach you almost to, to you especially seems somewhat demeaning. It makes you feel like, you know, they got a point that they are trying to prove or an axe that they have to grind. And sometimes they tend to shame you or even guilt you or throw out some ultimatum towards you. You know, if, if you don't do this, then so and so forth is going to happen. According to psychology, uh, someone that is a controlling person is really a person that feels out of control themselves. They control people or things around them because they feel like their personal self and their personal circumstances are out of control. And so by controlling others, they feel like their life is in control again because they have something that they have a hand on, so to speak. And so controlling people many times have an inferiority complex that they are dealing with. 
They attempt to make themselves look superior in the eyes of their peers or even in your eyes by controlling other people that around them because they're really insecure about themselves. And by doing this, they are really masking their own inferior feelings. It's their way to remove, if you will, the focus from them that I'm okay, I feel strong and confident about myself if I can just control somebody else around me. And if they can successfully control something or someone they feel they feel uh, threatened by uh, due to their insecurity, then it makes them feel better about themselves and who they are. Uh, which is where their real struggle is and where all of this is coming from. It's not that anyone has literally threatened them, usually. It's not that anybody has literally accosted them or threatened them. It's that they feel threatened because they have no confidence in themselves. They feel threatened because when they start to do their own comparison between themselves and you, they feel like they are at a lesser status or a lesser level than you are. Their insecurity makes them feel threatened by others. And so their solution is this. I feel like if I am threatened by their status in life or I feel like I, in comparison I'm a little lower than they are, then they believe that their solution is this, and that is to control what they feel threatened by. It may have appeared to come out of the blue here in the scriptures that I read and you're hearing tonight, but the Israelites even could have been taken off guard by the way the new king of Pharaoh over Egypt treated them. All things seemed to be well at first. Everyone, it would seem, is living in harmony until there is a new king, the Bible says, that arose over Egypt that knew not Joseph. He did not know Joseph, meaning he did not have any regard for Joseph. What Joseph had done for the preservation of the nation of Egypt during during the, the land, seven years of famine. He was not aware of the dynamics of all that. And it seems as though things had changed. When everything had been all right for years under the old Pharaoh, things changed when the new Pharaoh come. Now the Bible says he is placing over the same Israelites through which came preservation for his nation he's placing over these same people the Bible says taskmasters are being put over the Israelites to afflict them the Bible says with their burdens he's using these people if you will as as master builders and slaves to build treasured cities for himself he has made according to scripture their lives bitter with this work and with this rigor Israel is made to serve with hardship they are made to serve if you will uh, with difficulty hard bondage now is their lot in life every day of their life now is consisting of mortar and brick and all of their service is for the purpose of these cities and their service in the field can someone say amen they have been living in the, the land of Goshen. It is a land within the land of Egypt. They are trying to mind their own business in half for quite some time in the land of Goshen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Pharaoh told Joseph whenever he had Joseph to go get his father Jacob and his kinfolk to move them uh, to the land of Goshen, to the land of Egypt. Pharaoh had told Joseph in Genesis 45 and verse 19, Now thou art commanded this do ye this is Pharaoh talking to Joseph take you wagons out of the land of Egypt your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come verse 20 also regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours Pharaoh wanted 
Joseph to relate to his family that was soon to come to Egypt. Listen, I want to remove every barrier for your family. I want you to understand I know there might be some difficulties coming into the land of Egypt, but I want to remove any bit of the barriers. It might be difficult to acclimate to a new culture and a new society and so I want to remove all of those things. You don't have to worry about bringing your utensils. You don't have to worry about bringing your things. You don't have to worry about bringing your wardrobe you don't have to worry about bringing your furniture your utensils from Israel he says Egypt will furnish all of that you have to worry about bringing any of that stuff we'll we'll furnish all of that we'll make sure that you can find a comfortable spot over here and you'll blend in comfortably into the Egyptian society and so Pharaoh instructed Joseph he says I'm going to I'm going to send wagons to your father Jacob amen not for their possessions but just for the people they don't need to bring all that because we got plenty right here and they can be acclimated to what we got but you got to understand Jacob, he has lived his days, if you will, among his people. He's lived his days, not in the land of Egypt. And I can almost imagine as Jacob would raise his own voice if he had to. But Joseph, even knowing the tendency of his father, I can't imagine dad and I can't imagine the other boys feeling at home and acclimating themselves to the society of Israel because that is foreign to them. I can't see them changing their wardrobe from that of an Israelite to that of an Egyptian, amen, because that would be foreign to them. I can imagine them feeling at ease if they didn't have some semblance of who they were to the land that they were going. And so the Bible says in Genesis 46 and verse 5, and Jacob rose up from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, and their little ones, and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. But verse 6 says, and they took their cattle, their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt. Jacob, all his seed with him. In other words, when it came time for the wagons to come and take Jacob and his family and his relatives away, they didn't just go with his sons and their wives and their children, but he says everything that Pharaoh said, I don't have to bring, I'm going to bring anyway. I'm going to bring my livestock. I'm going to bring my wardrobe. I'm going to bring my utensils because I'm going into a foreign land. I can't leave my stuff from Canaan in Canaan because Canaan is who I am bad English I know Canaan is who who this boy is and so they took their utensils they took their wardrobe so that they could totally if you will recreate the environment of Canaan in Egypt someone say amen because although they were going to be in the Egyptian society they were going to insulate their world with what Canaan was Someone say amen. And so Joseph, he coached his brothers even. He said, guys, before you go in and you have your first meeting with Pharaoh, before you meet him, I want to emphasize something right here. You boys need to emphasize that you all are shepherds. You are shepherds and that you would desire to live apart in the land of Goshen because shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. He said, I don't want you to hide the fact that you're shepherds, but I want you to make it plain that you are shepherds so that they will have no problem with you dwelling in the land of Goshen. So so as they went in before Pharaoh, instead of concealing that they were shepherds, they said just with emphasis placed there, we just want you to know that we are shepherds. And they realized in that moment that they were going to be able then to survive in the land of Goshen with their food, their utensils, their wardrobe, their God. 
in Egyptian society. They understood their ability to survive, amen, was because they could keep intact who they were. Someone say amen. And that's great. Everything seemed to, that seemed to be a, a, a notable arrangement. Everything seemed to work out properly with that. They got Goshen. They lived the way that they deemed their lives were lived in Canaan right there in Egypt during the time of famine. Everything seems to be well. But when we come to Exodus chapter number one, I'm asking what in the world has happened? Everything was fine, but now a new king arose and he's wanting to oppress them and afflict them with burdens. They have been forced to difficult, hard labor. The Egyptian king has put taskmasters over them to, cr to crush their spirit, to wear them down. And what have the Israelites done to deserve this? I mean, is it something they said? I mean, they've been minding their own business over in Goshen and doing things their own way in Goshen. And yes, there were 70 of them whenever they came into the land. And yes, they increased to a nation of hundreds of thousands now. But really, what's wrong with all of that? Someone say amen. Both in the Good News translation of the Bible and in the Jerusalem Bible, it's translated like this in Exodus. The Bible says that this new king that arose, amen, in the land of Egypt, this new Pharaoh basically told those under his command concerning the Israelites. This is the plain language of it. He said they, meaning the Israelites, are a threat to us. And the next best way, listen to me tonight, the next best way to handle someone you feel threatened by outside of killing them is enslaving them. They felt threatened by the Israelites and so he's not going to annihilate them. But what they are going to do is make them believe that they have no power. Make them believe they have no clout. Make them believe they have no advantage because 90% of the time that would be effective if you can just get somebody to believe they are not who they believe they are. Because see, if the new Pharaoh is intimidated by the Israelites that's been here all along, amen, and they're feeling a little bit as though they are on a power trip, they're going to try to enslave that nation so that they'll feel empowered once again. Someone say amen. See, this is what happened in the life of Joseph, and this is what is happening in the life of Israel. Each of these, Joseph as an individual, and Israel as a nation, each were made slaves. And the reason why they were made slaves is because both were perceived as a threat. Joseph was perceived as a threat to his brothers, and Israel was perceived as a threat to the nation of Egypt. Just hold on here just a little bit tonight. Our, our English word, I did a little diving in just to the good old English language. Our English word slave has a word origin from medieval Latin called sclavus. That was the word in medieval Latin or originally slav because of the many slaves sold into slavery by conquering peoples years and years ago. They were a people of Central Europe 
that spoke various Slavic languages. The oldest history of the Slavs can be summarized in this, that the Slav was the most prized of human goods. Now listen to this. With increased, this is speaking of the Slav from which we get the word slave. Amen. With increased strength outside his marshy land of origin, hardened to the utmost against all privation, industrious, content with little, good human and cheerful. It's talking about the Slav. He filled the slave markets of Europe, Asia, and Africa. In other words, the word that we in modern day society they use for slave came from its origin, these people, the Slavs. And in essence, these people were not then enslaved by other countries and dominions because they were the scum of the earth or because they were weak or because they were non-productive people. They were enslaved because they were a threat to most other nations and people around them. Because they lived in the marshlands that tempered them to be strong people. Their land of origin disciplined them to be a hardened group of people that knew how to be content with little if necessary. Their surroundings were less than satisfactory, yet it describes them as being cheerful and still industrious in spite of it. So the nations of those years ago were threatened by a people that could be joyous uh-huh. Living in a marshy environment. Their days, no, marsh and mire and muck. Anybody been around marsh and mire and muck? You're around that long enough, it's going to get on your hands, it's going to get on your feet, it's going to get on your shoes. And whenever you start walking around with dried marsh and muck as residue upon the shoes or upon your feet, you know what happens? You're carrying around extra weight. And it strengthens the muscles in your legs. Not everybody's environment. Not everybody's environment lends to that, but it did for these people. They had that extra strength. They must have thought if they can do, here's what the nations that felt threatened by them no doubt thought, and we get this word slave. If they can do what they do in a setting of marsh, muck, and mire, having little, if they can still be joyous in that, If they can do that in that setting, I wonder what they would do if they had a more favorable setting. And so the nations of the world were threatened by them. And so they would enslave these people. Someone say amen. Let's make something clear. This is the apex of what I got to say, but listen well. Before Israel, listen to me. Before Israel ever made, were ever made slaves to Egypt, they were regarded as as a threat. And so with that, you must deduce this. It may be important to note tonight for you in your own personal life that if something is trying to enslave you, it may be because you're posing a threat to it whether you know it or not. Israel could have looked around at theirself and say, haven't we just been the same that we've been ever since we come into this country? Aren't we just, do- yeah, we've grown a little bit, but aren't we just the same people? Maybe so, but little did they understand that at that very juncture of being a grand nation among Egypt that they had went to, that now they posed a threat to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and he was really ready now to enslave them. Their slavery began whenever Pharaoh said, we're going to put taskmasters over them. They're going to build cities for me. Why? Because I feel threatened now by their presence that No, 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 no. Don't do that. The children of Israel, someone say amen. 
Man, I wish I had a voice I could holler from the rafters. I hate not having a voice. The children of Israel were more numbered than Egypt. That's what the Bible says. Pharaoh said they are more than, in number than us. And they are mightier. You see what the Bible says? Verse 9. And are mightier than us. That's according to Pharaoh's observation. And so he's thinking they may keep on increasing. And what if we go to war one of these days? And they turn code on us. And during the war, they join in with our adversaries and our enemies. What's going on? Pharaoh feels threatened. So he says the answer to feeling threatened is enslaved. Someone say amen. Can I submit to you tonight that I believe this new Pharaoh, this new king of Egypt, felt a little bit out of control? Amen. These people had their own space in the land. They brought their own food. They brought their own livestock. They were, if you will, a nation within a nation. They were serving their own God. And this new Pharaoh was supposed to be the superior of the land, but he felt a little bit out of control. He felt like he needed to put his thumb down on these people in order to feel the empowerment that his position should bring with it. Amen. And he thought to himself the only way I can do this, I'm feeling a little inferior right now. They're bigger than us. I'm feeling a little inferior right now. They have more people than we do. Amen. They have more military strength then as a result of that than we do. He says, you know what? I'm going to enslave them. Not because they're bad people. Not because they're bad people. But because they're good people. As a matter of fact, they're too good of a people. He sees them better than he is and so he feels threatened by them. Can I tell somebody in this place tonight I don't know what type of spirits or things may be coming upon you to try to control you and enslave you and incarcerate you but know well tonight if it's coming upon you it might be because you're posing a threat to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we get some more in the house? I didn't really hear well whenever I got out here. Amen. That, that it's coming perhaps to try to overtake you, try to enslave you. Someone say amen. amen. Pharaoh says, they just feels like they're, 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 they're better than me. And if I can control them, I'll feel better about myself. If I can get them in subjection, I'll feel better about myself. Then all Egypt will know that I'm the superpower of this nation. See, up to this point, Israel never threatened Egypt. Israel never threatened Egypt. Israel never threatened, threatened to fight against Egypt, fight against it as an enemy. But Pharaoh was harboring, if you will, a little lack of confidence in himself, decide, you know what, I need to control. I need to somehow get an upper hand on what I'm feeling threatened by. I wish, I wish you could understand exactly what I'm saying tonight is this. We come to church sometimes and we live our lives and there's things that blindsidedly come against us. Blindsidedly comes against us. And sometimes we equate these things. I know you got to have discernment, but sometimes we equate these things with this. What am I doing wrong? But I'm here tonight as your pastor telling you not everything that comes upon you is because you did something wrong. Sometimes it's because you're doing something right. And if it's trying to enslave, it's trying to enslave because it's threatened by you. Do you under if Israel could have just wrapped their mind around that idea, they're trying to put they're trying to put taskmasters over us, make us build these cities. They were there for four hundred, what, four hundred and thirty years like that? 
all the long, the thing that was enslaving them was more afraid of them than they were of it. Yes. Someone say yes. Oh, Brother McGee, uh, these thoughts and things are starting to torment my mind again. And, and it just makes me have all these doubts and all these things. Can I tell you, sir, ma'am, that wouldn't be happening if you didn't pose a threat to it. You are a mighty force in the hands of God. You're a good people. You're a strong people. You're a mighty people. You're a victorious people. You're a force to be reckoned with. This isn't happening because you're bad. This is happening because you're good. This is, this is happening because you're noteworthy. You pose a threat. Someone say amen. You pose a threat. But here's Pharaoh. Yeah, see, you, you, the thing that's trying to enslave you has a lack of confidence over its own strength. Right, that's true. Has a lack of confidence about its own power. But I feel confident tonight that there may be sitting people under the sound of my voice where there are some spirits and habits that are attempting to enslave some of our people. Again, not because you're bad, but because you easily succumb to that type of thing. Not because of that, but rather because you pose a threat to whatever it is that is desiring to enslave you. See, your adversary sees you as you are. Amen. And what you have become over the X number of years that you've been walking for the Lord. The X number of years that you have been in church. He knows you are a force to be reckoned with. And he feels inferior. Amen. He feels inferior to the power of God that's vested inside of you. And so he should. And since he is threatened, he's saying the only thing I can do, I can't take their life. I don't have power to do that. But I am going to try to enslave them. And our end, oh, someone say amen. Yet on our end, what we struggle with is, I'm a failure. This is overcoming me again. I'm a failure. I've succumbed to enslavement again. Honey, you got to view it as it is. You are a threat to hell. You are a threat to your adversary. This isn't about failure. This isn't about you being weak. This is not... stronger than you think you are I'd even attempt to say you can do more for God than you're presently doing for 400 years let's say 430 Israel was enslaved by a nation threatened by them day after day they endured the whips upon their back basically of a people that lacked confidence in their own abilities Hear me. Nobody here tonight needs to view themselves as second rate. You hearing me? Nobody here tonight needs to view themselves as second rate because something's trying to get the upper hand on you. You are not the down and out. You are not a failure. I'll work with it, Lord, if I need to work it a little bit. You are not a failure. You need to come to the understanding you are a threat. Someone say amen. amen. It would be the tactic of the devil to somehow bend the minds of the people and try to enslave them to make them think, what have I done wrong? Where did I flub up? I'm never going to get this right. 
when if you can just reverse what's being spoken in your mind. You've not done anything wrong. You've got it right. He wants us to find ourselves a corner in the fetal position sucking our thumb. Amen. But God wants us to see us as we are. You're a mighty people. You're a strong people. I call you mine. Someone say amen. The Bible says in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that they caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, some traveling companions of the Apostle Paul because the Bible says Demetrius the silversmith had felt threatened by God that Paul had been preaching. The Bible says in Acts 19 and verse 27, I'm reading from the New International Version. This is what was said. There is danger. This is, this is Demetrius. There is danger. Not only that our trade will lose its name, <laughs> It's good name, but also that the temple and the great goddess of Eretimus or Diana in the King James will be discredited. And the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. You know what? Here's somebody with some insecurity about themselves and about their quote-unquote God. Hallelujah. And so he's going to take Gaius and he's going to take Aristarchus. They're going to take them out to the theater where all the crowd is. They're going to make a show of them. What are they doing? They're trying to threaten these men. They're trying to even, if you will, threaten Paul. Hallelujah. But he's not doing that because Paul is a bad man or Paul has a bad message or these men are proclaiming some type of false doctrine. No, he's doing it because his message and his God are too good to be contended with. In other words, he's seen himself paling in comparison to their God and their message. There was no competition. So he said, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try to enslave. Look at your Bibles over and over again. John the Baptist was beheaded. James was killed with the sword because people felt threatened by their message and their God. Stephen was stoned because they felt threatened. Paul and Silas was thrown in the jail because they felt threatened. Samson, even the Old Testament, ultimately was put in fetters and made to grind in the prison because people felt threatened when the Spirit of the God moved upon him at sundry times. Amen. Jeremiah 38 and verse number 46. Jeremiah 38 and verse 44, four, rather. Therefore, this is speaking of Jeremiah. Therefore, the princess said unto the king, We beseech ye, let this man, speaking of Jeremiah, be put to death. For thus he weakened the hands of the men of war that remain in this city and the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of the people, but hurt. That was a lie. Verse 5, Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not he that can do anything against you. Then took they Jeremiah, cast him into a dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamalek, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords in the dungeon. There was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. What are you talking about? These people felt, they felt threatened by the message of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah, what he was proclaiming day and night as a warning, really as a help for the people, but because they felt threatened by it, because they felt insecure in themselves, they threw him in a dungeon. They tried to, and successfully, if you will, for a while, enslaved him because they felt threatened. Folks, it is the common thing over and over again. They feel threatened and then they enslave. They feel threatened and then they enslave. It happens time and time again. Please, if you go home with anything in your mind tonight, perhaps what's trying to enslave me, I am threatening. Jesus on the cross, greatest example. Mike and Brenda Trout, Jesus on the cross, greatest example of a world trying to enslave what they felt threatened by. Insomuch that the writer of John said it like this in John 12, 19. This is after the miracle of Lazarus. They say, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? They said, behold, the world is gone after him. Speaking of the Lord, the world has gone after him. In other words, I know we've been trying to persecute. I know we've been trying to put a thumb on. And I know that we have made plans, if you will, for an ultimate, if you will, enslavement of a tree. But the world is still going after him. You know what it's saying? He's posing a threat to us. It doesn't matter what we do. We can push him under, but he's still coming out on top. Even so much so that the Greeks would just right after this come out to Philip and say, Sir, we would see Jesus. So my question to you tonight is, please become aware of who you are and where you are. Because there's no sense you, like the Israelites, spending the next years of your life under the thumb of oppression. Feeling like we're just little Israel that showed up with 70 people when we got here. Feeling like, well, we just don't dress like everybody dresses. Feeling like our appetite isn't the same as everybody else here in Egypt. Feeling like you got to, you know what, we got to somehow get away from this idea that we're the woe is me Christians, woe is me apostolics. There is a kingdom of the world and there is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is always going to pose a threat to the kingdom of the world. And the response of the kingdom of the world is always going to be advancement and trying to enslave the kingdom of heaven. But I'm still standing along with the unction of Jesus saying, let thy will be done in earth as it is. Let's clap our hands right now to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God, come on. Somebody stand up. Someone stand up. You're not bad. You're not unintelligent. You're not. No, no, no. You're not the scum of the earth. No, no, no. You're strong. You're mighty. You're courageous. You're powerful. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. You are a force to be reckoned with.
If you just remain standing all across this building tonight, you pose a threat. And what is trying, folks, we could put all types of labels on the things that try to enslave us. For some people, it's substances. For others, it's spirits of depression, low self-esteem. It's a myriad of things that you could put in that enslaving category and mode. But it's attempting to do that because it observes you as stronger than what you see yourself as. Hundreds of thousands, Israel is. Hundreds of thousands. They're mighty people. But they allow themselves to go through 400, 430 years of bondage, of taskmasters and enslavement. Because they couldn't truly see that in the infancy of all that, they were even a threat then. Let me tell you tonight. You don't become a threat after you're in the church for 50 years. You hear me? You don't become a threat after you've been in the church for 50 years and you got this stellar just, you know, report of your life. The moment that you get born again of the water and the spirit. The very moment that you get born again of the water and the spirit, you become public enemy number one for hell. So then that's the reason why we had this constant wrestling and we have this toiling. And, you know, someone just comes to find God and, you know, God just revolutionizes their life. And it's like they just signed up for boot camp. And sometimes it seems like they skip that and they just go straight to the battlefield. You want to be in the army? Great. Here's your uniform. Boom. There's things buzzing past your head. All this. Why, why, why? Because you pose a threat and they're not satisfied. Because the spirit that's inside you is the one that originally created the high angel Lucifer before his fall. Do you understand that? That which is invested in you is what created him before he ever fell. So he's got a major inferiority complex. He's got a major inferiority complex. He don't think any better to take the Stevens of the church. Make them start feeling like they're just some little pebble on the side of the ocean that don't mean anything. Uh-huh. And get his talons around them. Start enslave them. And them to believe every lie that he ever just spoke. Man, I was praying in the prayer room this morning. I was praying in the prayer room this morning over there. Because here, here is, here is the, the device of the last day. In Matthew 24, when it talks about last things, and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, false prophets, all these things are going to come. The words that, that Jesus leads with in that long list of everything of the last days, you know what he says to the people? He says, don't be deceived. Before he talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes, and you know what he said? Don't be deceived. Why? Because there's going to come an adversary going to try to enslave you. 
you're Israel. He's telling his buddies, they're more than us and mightier than us. But he's not going to tell you that. He's going to tell you you have no power. You're just a weakling. You have no good footing or standing in God. Don't know even why you're trying to live for the Lord, you pitiful mess. <laughs> Don't be deceived. Honey, if he's talking that type of talk, you just know right well you're already posing a threat to hell. You right where you... I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing God's people beat down by untruths. Untruths. Lies. Untruths. It's spiritual oppression. It's spiritual, spiritual dominion of the mind. You're not good enough for God to love you. You can't love, you, you, you can't accept his love because you're not good enough. You've made too many mistakes. You've made any too, you've made too many faux pas after you've already been washed by his blood. It's the tactic of enslavement. He's insecure tonight. He's insecure because he wanted to be like the most high. And because of your new birth experience, you are. Let's raise our hands all across this building right now. I open these altars tonight to those that may feel the enslaving hands of the adversary trying to convince you that you know what, you don't have what it takes. The intimidating voices that are whispering into your ears that you are lesser than what God says you are. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're hearing such things, you are posing a threat to your adversary. And he's only reacting because he feels threatened. He is only reacting because he's feeling inferior. He's only reacting because he feels afraid. I'm asking someone, just be who you are in God. Don't wait for 440 years to pass before you cry out. Look to the hills from which cometh your help because your help does come from the Lord. These altars are open all across this place tonight. Don't accept those lies. Don't accept those lies. He's wanting to enslave you. You're not a bad person. I know none of us are what we need to be, but we're not bad people, but we're people that know how to be joyous in some of the horrific times. We are people that know how to be strong because our surroundings have conditioned us for it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You pose a threat this evening. You pose a threat this evening. Sir, you pose a threat to the adversary. Ma'am, you pose a threat. Every young person in this building that's had a born-again experience, it is, it's not about your age. You pose a threat here. Set up a cold. Yes! Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.